Hey, V1 Church and podcast listeners, wherever you're listening from, today is a special day for you because we've got a message from our very own Pastor Evan Wilson. Now, this message at the conclusion of it had people in a prayer line all the way out the door. It was so incredible, and I'm believing for the same results for you today. God's going to do something as you listen to this sermon entitled, It's Time to Kick the Curse. Come on, somebody. No turning back. The final episode, man. I'm so excited uh, to share with you guys this morning. Uh, if you're new to V1 Church, uh, my name is Evan. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're new, you're going to find out real quick that we believe that Jesus is the end all be all when it comes to anything and everything. If you came into church today, maybe with a heavy heart, I believe you came to the right place. The story of Jesus is good news. It's not average news. It's not bad news. It's actually the best, most encouraging, empowering, paradigm-shifting news that you could ever hear. So if you're in a place in life right now where you're in desperate need of some good news, I believe God's going to speak to you today during this message. But before we dive in, I need to take a moment, and I need to give some honor where it's due. Uh, Pastor Mike, would you stand? We're going to make this weird. Pastor Mike, I don't even want to think about what my life would be like without you and Pastor Julie in my corner, believing in me, giving me opportunity, and pointing me to Jesus each and every day. Um, if, if all that somebody saw of your life is what happened on this platform, it would be inspiring and amazing. But what I see when I look at the entirety of your life is a devoted husband, a loving father, and a man who's completely laid down his life for everybody. And so, Pastor Mike, your church is for you. We love you. We celebrate. Come on, you guys can get louder than that for our pastors. You can sit down now. Um, but no, for real, uh, thank you so much for sharing this platform with me. It's such an honor. Um, but today, we're closing out our series, No Turning Back. And it's probably been my favorite series that we've done so far. Um, so when Pastor Mike and Julie asked me to close it out this Sunday, it felt like they were the cool parents that give their kid the keys to the Ferrari for the night. I was like, man, I'm really excited, but I got to take care of this thing. Like, I got to bring it home without a scratch. Like, this thing is too good. Um, but I'm super excited. Um, I, uh, something I do want to say um, is that... Um, my goal isn't to dazzle you today with knowledge or Christian language, it's, but rather it's my hope and my prayer that you would leave this place changed by the power and the person of Jesus and that there would be a shift in your heart to where you focus more on him than on yourself. It's a really simple goal. That's what we're shooting for today. Um, so we're about to get into it. But uh, the past couple of weeks, we've been going through the book of Joshua. Now, the book of Joshua can be found in the Old Testament, which is the first half of the Bible. And today, we're going to be picking it up in chapter 7. Now, I do want to say this. If you missed out on any of the earlier messages in this series, please take some time this week to jump on the V1 Church app and get all caught up. I think it's really going to help you. And maybe, just maybe, there's a friend or a family member in your life that desperately needs to hear one of those messages, and they're not going to find it unless you share it with them. So please uh, check it out this week and share it with somebody. But today we're picking up the story of the Israelites in chapter 7 of the book of Joshua. So 
Uh, just to give you some brief context, last Sunday we were reading about the fall of Jericho. Now this was a huge victory for the people of Israel, led by Joshua. They marched around the walls of Jericho six times in silence, and then on the seventh time, uh, the trumpets sound, they let out a shout, and the walls fall down. So basically God did something miraculous, and Israel got the W. Um, so chapter <laughs> isn't that everybody's life? That's, that's me. God does something great. I get the win. That's cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so today we're in chapter 7, which is the continuation of that narrative, uh, and it's the next battle that we have recorded after the battle of Jericho. So uh, you can turn in your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 7. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, it's going to be up on the screens as well. But one thing I do want to say is that this message is interactive. All right. If you hear something that helps you, feel free to clap and or shout. If you're new to this kind of church uh, and you need some phrases that you can throw out there, you can always go with the classics. Um, amen is good. Um, preach it. Uh, that's good. Come, come on seems to be pretty popular. Um, so, so you can throw those out. If you get tired of rotating between those, you can feel free to experiment a little bit. If you're feeling extra spiritual, you can throw out a hallelujah. Um, maybe if you're new to church, you can throw out a yeet. <laughs> Anywhere on that spectrum is acceptable, whatever feels right. We're not religious, so just don't feel like you have to be quiet and dignified. We can get a little bit rowdy this morning, amen? So we're going to pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 7. Let's read the Bible together. It says, Then the people of Israel violated the holy curse. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of the cursed things. God became angry with the people of Israel. Now, I think sometimes in our Americanized Christian paradigm, we can be oblivious to the degree at which our personal sin affects the community around us. Like, we talk all the time about the importance of unity, but unity, church, unity doesn't just mean we all wear a no-turning-back hoodie. Unity actually means keeping God's commands. And, and we read in the Bible, uh, Achan was the one who messed up. But notice the Bible doesn't say that God became angry with just Achan. It actually says God became angry with the people of Israel. Now, I think one of the things that we can draw from this is that it's not just always the sin that you yourself commit that will set you in opposition with God. Sometimes it's actually even just the sin in your circles that you tolerate. Somebody felt that. Let's keep reading before you get too convicted. That's for later. Let's pick it up in verse 2. It says, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, the ruin, which is near Beth-Avon, just east of Bethel. He instructed them, go up and spy out the land. The men went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and reported, don't bother sending a lot of people. Two or 3,000 men are enough to defeat Ai. Don't wear out the whole army. There aren't that many people there. Now, to me, that sounds a little overconfident, but let's wait and see. So 3,000 men went up and then fled in defeat before the men of Ai. Okay, so I guess it was overconfident. The men of Ai killed 36, chased them from the city gate as far as the quarries, killing them at the descent. The heart of the people sank, all spirit knocked out of them. Joshua ripped his clothes and fell on his face to the ground before the chest of God. He and the leaders, throwing dirt on their heads, prostrate until evening. They were having a bad day. So you had a bad day. Nope, nobody. Sorry. 
So this is Joshua talking to God. He says, oh, master God, why did you insist on bringing the people across the Jordan to make us victims of the Amorites, to, to, to wipe us out? Why didn't we just settle down on the east side of the Jordan? Oh, master, what can I say after this, after Israel has been run off by its enemies? When the Canaanites and all the others living here get wind of this, they'll group up on us, they'll gang up on us and make short work of us. And then how will you keep up your reputation? Now, I find it really interesting. It is nasty. I find it really interesting that Joshua's first thought after suffering this defeat isn't how is this failure going to affect how other people see me? It's actually how is my failure going to affect how other people see God? Now, what if we became a people that was more concerned with God's image than self-image? What if we became a people that every time we drifted from the character and the nature of God, a holy conviction came over us to where we take stock of how we're impacting the perception of Jesus in the earth? I'm telling you what, I think it might do something to help the PR problem that the church is facing in 2019. That's just a thought. Let's keep reading. In verse 10, let's pick it up. It says, God said to Joshua, get up. Why are you groveling? Israel has sinned. They've broken the covenant I commanded them. They've taken forbidden plunder, stolen and then covered up the theft, squirreling it away with their own stuff. The people of Israel can no longer look their enemies in the eye. They themselves are plundered. Now listen to this. I can't continue with you if you don't rid yourselves of the cursed things. I'm calling this message, it's time to kick the curse. Look at the person next to you, tell them it's time to kick the curse. Jesus, um, I pray that you would do something miraculous in the next few minutes. Uh, we're not here for a program. We're not here for a feeling or goosebumps. We're here to be changed from the inside out by your goodness. God, I thank you for your grace, for your unmerited favor that we don't deserve that you can do more in a moment than man could do in a lifetime. And God, I pray for each and every person here that you would do something, the thing that they've been believing for, God. I pray that you would do it in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen church. So uh, for people that know me or follow me on Instagram, uh, it's no secret that I enjoy the occasional uh, fast food drive through the people who are laughing are laughing because I said occasional. Um, but before y'all Whole Foods, Trader Joe's people cast judgment on me, just take a beat, look up Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, read it, and then get back to me, okay? Some of you guys are going to look that up and realize, wow, he just clapped back with a Bible verse, okay? But I, I do, I enjoy fast food. I'm not ashamed of it. I've kind of just learned to own it. Uh, it's how God made me. I'll, I'll blame it on him. But, <laughs> but uh, that's the kind of guy I am. Like, I'm the kind of guy who will go to a fancy restaurant and look at the menu for like 20 minutes, knowing full well that I'm just going to order the chicken tenders and an orange soda again. <laughs> like, that's me. Is that anybody else? Is that just me? Like, all the five-year-olds raise their hand. Um, <laughs> But like, how about this one? Maybe you can relate. Like, you'll ask the waiter all kinds of questions to make it look good. Like, I'll ask like, uh, well, what's the chef's recommendation? Or like, what's today's special? Again, zero intention of ordering anything that does not also come in a Happy Meal. 
But at least now it looks like I thought about it. So I guess that's better. But anyways, uh, I had an experience this past summer that basically like encapsulated this part of who I am. I was working at the V1 headquarters with Pastor Mike and Julie, and we were in meetings all day, and we decided, like, okay, let's change the scenery. Let's take these meetings down the street over some coffee and muffins at this coffee shop. Now, that's not exactly what I had in mind for lunch. Uh, I'm more of a burger and Coke guy than a coffee and muffins guy. Um, so I'm like, okay, uh, that sounds good. Uh, I'm gonna meet you guys there, but first I'm gonna pull through the McDonald's drive-through and then I'll link up with y'all later. Um, so Pastor Mike and Julie, silently concerned for my health, agree to that and uh, so they go to the coffee shop and I go to clog my arteries. Um, <laughs> where's the lie? I don't know. <laughs> so I get, I get my Big Mac meal with a Coke and I pull up to this bougie coffee shop, right? And, and I walk in and I sit down at the table with Pastor Mike and Julie and I start to unwrap my food and I'd give it 30 seconds it took before like the hipster sense in the coffee shop workers went off and was triggered and they just knew that something wasn't right. Because I'm telling you, this guy, of course, he was wearing Toms. He had like the handlebar mustache wax. For the sake of this story, he was wearing a fedora. Like he just teleports over to my table. And with all the judgment in his voice that he can muster, he just looks me up and down and says, sir, you know it's good when they start with sir. Um, you can't eat that here. You're going to have to th throw that away or you're going to have to leave. Now, of course, I'm outraged. Like, I'm, I'm this close to pulling a Karen and asking to talk to the manager. Like, so I'm negotiating. I'm like, okay, man, like, I'm here. I'm here for some meetings. I'm working. This is my lunch. If I buy a muffin, then I'm a customer. Like, does that make it okay? And again, he's like, sir, <laughs> uh, it's about preserving the experience for the rest of our customers. I'm like, so apparently uh, the smell of Mac sauce from a Big Mac wasn't really vibing with their brand. Like that wasn't really their aesthetic that they were going for. Um, so like equal parts indignant and also like, I get it. Um, I, I, I pack up my food and I march myself out of there. But I'm telling you, it was partially out of spite. But I sit down as close as I can possibly be to this coffee shop without technically being in it. Like there's this bench right in front of the front door and I sit down and I eat my Big Mac fries and Coke and I enjoy every bite of it. Come on, celebrate church. And of course the whole time Pastor Mike and Julie are, are laughing with me, at, probably at me. Um, <laughs> So they eat inside, I eat outside, and then we link up uh, afterwards. But the reason I tell that story, there is a reason. Uh, isn't it true sometimes in life that the things that we carry with us sometimes keep us from gaining access to the places that we're trying to go? Like, like for me, it was that Big Mac that was keeping me from getting into that coffee shop. For the people of Israel, it was the cursed things that Achan plundered from battle that was keeping them from facing their enemies. But maybe for you, it's that addiction to pornography that's keeping you from having the marriage that you were called to have. Maybe for you, it's the way that you spend money to fill a void in your heart that's keeping you from starting that business or setting up your family for the future. But come on, somebody. I believe that today, God is getting ready to bring somebody through to the other side. Come on, church. Give a shout if you believe it. Somebody say it's time to kick the curse. It's time to kick the curse. Maybe you're here and, and you feel stuck. Maybe you feel like you've been backsliding. Maybe 
You can't understand why your business isn't growing or why your relationships aren't getting better. You feel like you're doing and saying all the right things, but it's just not breaking through to the next level. You feel like you have the knowledge. You've read the five love languages 18 times and every other book that you can think of, but you're just not breaking through to that next level. And you're wondering why, but the question I want to ask you is, is what if it's not a competency test. Maybe you have that part covered, but what if it's a character test? What if, it has, what if it has less to do with your skill and your knowledge and a little bit more to do to your commitment to holding God's standard in your life? See, Joshua 7, 12, it says, I can't continue with you if you don't rid yourselves of the cursed things. So church, this morning, there's two questions that I want to ask you. And, and the first question, I think we're actually pretty good at asking in church. It's not always phrased like this, but the first question is, what is that cursed thing that you plundered? Like, what's that thing, what's that sin that you've got a death grip on that's keeping distance between you and God's best for your life? Like, what's that cursed thing that you picked up? But I think if, if we're all being honest, most of us, we know what that thing is. Right? Like, even as I was talking, something came into your mind. Like, we all have a pretty firm grasp on what that thing is. But the second question I want to ask is vitally important to understand in this thing on a deeper level. The first question is, what is that cursed thing that you picked up? The second question is, why did you pick it up? Why did you pick it up? See, when you read this story in the Bible, I think it's pretty easy to view Achan as this selfish, two-dimensional bad guy of the narrative. Like the guy, really, like you couldn't resist the urge to plunder and take what you wanted. But I think that Achan becomes a whole lot more relatable when we take a second to think about why he might have done what he did. When you read ahead in verse 20 and 21, as, as the truth is starting to come out about what Aiken did, I, it gives us a little bit of a window into how he might have been thinking. Worship team, y'all can come on up. Verse 20 and 21, it says, Aiken answered Joshua, it's true, I sinned against God, the God of Israel, and this is how I did it. In the plunder, I spotted a beautiful Gucci robe just making sure y'all are still paying attention. 200 shekels of silver and a 50 shekel bar of gold. And I coveted and took them. And they're buried in my tent with the silver at the bottom. Now I wonder, and this is pure speculation, but go with me on this. I wonder if the reason that Achan felt the need to take that plunder is because he doubted that God would provide for his needs in the future. Like, I wonder if Achan had become so accustomed to being a self-made man that when he saw what he thought he needed, his first instinct and the one that he acted on was to reach out and take it. Like, I wonder if Achan in the moment was thinking, man, I don't know if God's going to provide for me in the future, so I'm just going to get while the getting's good. Like, this is a crazy season. Like, Israel, we're fighting dangerous battle after dangerous battle. I don't know if I'm going to have what I need to provide for myself in the future, let alone my whole family. How about this one? What if I die in battle and there's nothing left for my family to live off of when I'm gone? Like all this stuff could have been going through Aiken's head. 
So then when he sees that plunder, he reaches out and he takes it. Now I think that this is something that, that we do in life. Maybe you have an aching mindset in some areas. Maybe you're saying, I've been single for so long and I don't think that I'm ever gonna find the right person in the future, so I'm gonna satisfy my needs with the wrong person right now. Maybe you're saying, I've been depressed and lonely and heartbroken for so long and I don't see a way out, so I'm just gonna numb the pain with alcohol, with weed, like fill in the blank. Or maybe you're saying, I've been unhealthy for so long. I've been sick for so long and I can't even picture a future where I'm healthy and fit and confident. So I'm just going to stay in this lifestyle forever because at least it's a little bit familiar and comfortable. Some of you, deep down, you may not believe that God could ever do something great with your broken pieces. And that's why you've settled for the comfort and the curse. Some of you, you've been operating in a broken heart that has wounded your expectations so deeply that you've accepted what the world and the devil has offered you when church God has something so much greater for you church see Aiken he took the silver when God wanted to give him the city come on church maybe you've taken the porn when God wants to give you the wife maybe you've taken the career when God wants to give you the calling oh come on you won't shout right now I'm preaching come on maybe you've taken the diagnosis when God wants to give you the healing maybe you've taken the Jack Daniels when God wants to give you the reconciliation oh, come on church somebody's getting ready to trade the comfort of the curse for the provision of the promise this morning come on somebody lift up a shout if you believe it it's time to kick the curse it's time to kick the curse it's time to kick the curse the reason that we pick up those cursed things and whatever it is. The reason that we pick up these cursed things is because it works until it doesn't, right? Like it feels good until it kills you. Like it gives you a measure of peace until the chaos catches up. And this is what happened to Achan. It's all fun and games until his hidden sin cost Israel the victory. Let's keep reading. Verse 24 says, Joshua took Achan, the son of Zerah, took the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his ox, donkey, sheep, and tent, everything connected with him. All Israel was there. They led them off to the Valley of Acre, Trouble Valley. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? God will now trouble you today. And all Israel stoned him, burned him with fire, and stoned him with stones. They piled a huge pile of stones over him, and it's still there. Only then did God turn from his hot anger. That's how the place came to be called Trouble Valley, right up to present time. Now, this might seem extreme to some of you, 
But just like Achan couldn't be allowed into the next season of Israel's journey, the Achan in your heart cannot be allowed into the next season of your journey. Maybe you've slapped Achan on the wrist. Maybe you've given Achan a timeout, but you've kept him around. But church, it's time to kill that Achan spirit in you this morning. Maybe for you, it's time to take that addiction and stone it and burn it until it dies. Maybe for you, it's time to take that abusive relationship and finally put an end to it. Maybe, and listen to me right now, it's time to buy a flip phone and share your passcodes with your spouse. Come on, it's time to kick the curse. It's time to kick the curse, church. Now please, 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 don't confuse this with motivation. This is transformation that we're talking about. I can't motivate you enough to where your life changes in any way that actually matters. This is a call that you're gonna have to make between you and Jesus. As we close out this series, no turning back. I wanna read from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. It's your job to forget the former things. It's God's job to make a way. It's your job to forget the past. It's God's job to order your future. See, that's the beautiful thing about salvation. It's just saying yes to Jesus. But saying yes to Jesus means saying no to the cursed things of the world. And I believe there's a room full of people right now getting ready to break through to the other side. Would you stand to your feet, church? As I was preaching, you had that cursed thing in your head. You know what it is. I don't need to tell you. Maybe it was one of the examples I said. Maybe it wasn't. But you know what that thing is. And maybe now... You have an understanding of maybe why you pick that thing up. It's always a root of brokenness. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to make, I want to leave an opportunity for the Holy Spirit right now. If that's you, and you want to let go of that thing, if you want to be able to face your enemies, if you got, want God to be able to move forward with you, nobody's looking around. If you're ready to kill the aching spirit in your heart, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Man, thank you for your courage. God sees your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Jesus, I thank you so much that you can take words and do a miracle with them. God, I thank you for each and every person that raised their hand as a sign of commitment to you, as a sign of a desire for freedom. And Jesus, I pray right now in your precious name that you would release that burden from them right now in Jesus' name, that you would free them from that affliction, from that aching spirit, God. I thank you right now. Freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name, God. God, we kill that aching spirit right now. We leave it at the altar, at your feet, right now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.
Amen. Come on, we can celebrate. I believe somebody just got freedom in this place. Now there's one more group I want to pray for. Like I said at the beginning of this message, I believe that there was somebody, maybe more than one person, I believe more than one person, that was experimenting with faith. And I believe God met you today. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give an opportunity for you to make that decision. If that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you've walked away and you want to come back to him, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Come on, would you repeat after me, church, as we celebrate the people crossing over from death to life right now? Just repeat after me, borrow my words, say, dear Jesus. Come on, church, dear Jesus, we can celebrate a little bit. Come on now, dear Jesus, I thank you that you died for me when I didn't deserve it. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for deliverance. That you love me at my worst and you're taking me into my best. I give you my life, everything that's in me. You can have it all, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. Let's sing. What a powerful message. I'm believing by faith that your life was changed forever. Now, the most important thing you can do right now is actually pay it forward. That's right, you have an opportunity to help other people by sharing this message with them. There's no other way that they're gonna find it unless you share it right now. And the other thing I would ask you to do is help us reach more people all around the world with broadcasts just like this by going to our website, www.v1.church and click give so you you can help us reach so many more.